Welcome to the Dance Centre podcast. I am your host, Claire French, and I'm joining you from the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh peoples, also known as Vancouver, Canada. I'll be talking to dancers, choreographers and other members of the dance world here on the West Coast to find out more about their creative work and practices and to discuss what it means to us to be dance professionals today. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to today's edition of the Dance Centre podcast. Today, my guest is Olivia C. Davies, a dance artist, choreographer, community arts facilitator and emerging curator of Anishinaabe, French-Canadian, Finnish and Welsh heritage. Originally from Ottawa, she trained at York University and has been based since 2011 in Vancouver, BC on the ancestral unceded Coast Salish territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations. Olivia has choreographed for gala presentations, fashion shows, festivals, burlesque reviews and music videos. She's a full-on interdisciplinary collaborator too. She's a founding member of Mata Dance, Mata Dancer Collective, Circadia Indigena Aboriginal Arts Collective and Crow's Nest Collective. She was artist in residence at the Dance Center for the 2018-2019 season, where she curated the inaugural Matriarchs Uprising Festival. We'll be talking about that more here in the podcast. And in 2018, she founded Odella Arts as a home for her work and to develop audiences for contemporary Indigenous dance and multidisciplinary arts. She's also one of the busiest artists around and on top of that a new mum. I would also like to say personally to Olivia thank you for all the work you've done during the pandemic as we are still in it but also during lockdown and all of that and productivity and information and sharing of knowledge and bringing people together that you were part of during that time I think it's so important and yeah just a personal note thank you for all you you did then and all you are doing so more information can be found at oliviadavies.ca so what I'd like to do is now introduce Olivia to you and just ask to start us off Olivia what would you like to tell us about how and when you came to dance and where you are with dance practice at the moment. Well, thank you, Claire. Uh, Thank you so much for the warm welcome. It's a real pleasure to be here and to be in circle with all the listeners, uh, however you are joining this conversation through the podcast. My, yeah, my my mom put me in a dance class when I was three years old. I was a little ballerina, a little tap dancer for, for all those preschooling years and never gave up, always danced all through my life always had the um, the desire to move to tell stories I remember putting on you know the the living room dances for my for my family and really feeling the the rhythm of music whenever it was on in the living room I see that now in my daughter when we put music on she starts bouncing around and it's so cool where where I'm at with dance right now it's like okay so this this journey of being a being a new mother has has definitely shifted what's what's possible and and how that also relates to my my body and my my movement abilities i'm certainly feeling the the drive as as she is becoming more and more of a mover to really start to remember some of my own fundamental movement patterns and uh and and really let go and just be in free movement with her when we're rolling around on the floor shaking around in the living room 
and also know that the potential for choreography and choreographic collaborations right now has has been feeding my artistic spirit through through working you know in the summer I was working with the Squamish playwright uh, Justin Neal to choreograph for his work uh, So Damn Proud which premiered at the Annex in September when I had the the lovely opportunity of working you know cross country with uh, Rianne Spellness as a co choreographer and some incredible dance artists in that project. And then looking ahead to to, to the the seeds that were sown this year and that'll that'll start to develop through next year. I'm I'm working on a, a solo uh, piece with Raina von Waldenberg as a mentor. And that's starting to feel like a, a really beautiful shift too from working an ensemble and 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 choreographing work on other bodies to coming back to my to my solo practice um, and developing that. That's so wonderful. I'm amazed really at how well in your short biography video you have on your website blood memory you talk about your growing up i'm I'm really moved by how similar our stories are about our childhoods in in the in those ways and also but also i don't have children but i have a, a niece who has just started dancing and going into competitions oh dear um but i did all of that <laughs> i did all of that when i was a child and i've adjudicated them since and so it, it's lovely because over whatsapp she's been showing me them and we've been kind of talking and rehearsing and as much as it's not the same as being on the floor with your you know own child and discovering it is beautiful to have that the the lineage or the not even lineage really it's more of kind of the the connection across generations and the rediscovery and that I know that's something that's been quite big in your work on on levels of personal information finding out your family you know all of those things um this idea of rematriation that I've is really big for you it seems and uh, in your solo work and it seems to me in your larger work in general and even as you host you know your own you've hosted a lot of conversations and brought a lot of people together so I wonder if um we could maybe go on that path for a little bit because there's so much we could talk about your contemporary practices you know refined and sophisticated and you're working with people outside of the indigenous community and but you also are doing lots of work on the national local national and international level within indigenous communities and I see those threads happening across your work and the interweavings of all of that it's so beautiful but yeah I just wonder if there's something you could talk about that rematriation I think it's a beautiful word and I think the way that you understand it and the way you're working with it is a is is really special so yeah i'm and i'm i'm very happy to speak about it i think it's timely too in in the respect to um to the dearly departed lee miracle and her inspiration uh to so many of us you know, artists, readers, um, you know, worldwide in how the feminist sociology through an Indigenous lens that she was able to so clearly articulate, not only in her essays, but also in her poetry. And, and that, um, you know, we lost her last month is, was a, a great shock to the community and, and I think, you know, worldwide. However, it was, you know, it was in finding her work, I Am Woman, that I, I really started to tap into what, you know, what that rematriation meant for me. Uh, I, I was also in, in deep conversation with other Indigenous uh, visual artists at the time who were also collectively working towards how rematriation could exist through their bodies of work. And, and, and it was just, it was really this returning to, well, to, to, re- returning to Mother Earth and, and, and to, to nature first. And, and how we can, through our own bodies, then 
sort of take that take that love and that care and let it ripple out to our families, our friends, our communities, our planet, <laughs> and so on and so forth. And then and you know, and I think where where I was really inspired was in, in developing a, a work titled Rematriate, where the the, the the kind of the journey through the life cycle um, was was how I was exploring this this theme of um, from infant to child to mother to crone and how in in moving through that cycle there were also so many so many highs and lows um, joys and fears that I had yet to to fully experience as well and I see now as as I have um, started to not only be mentored by by matriarchs such as you know I, I often refer to Michelle Olson and star Marenko at Raven Spirit dances as these women who not, you know not only are they inspiring to me, they they show love and care through their work, through their connections, and through their relationships that have absolutely you know given me this example of how to develop work, how to develop um, and foster relationship, and how to how to create community in such a way that is is meant to be generous, is meant to be from this you know from this what is the the matriarch, what is the mothering, what is that that spirit of of giving that is is so founded in in what in my idea of rematriation and then now in in my role as a mentor to some some younger emerging artists um how the care that was shown to me can also be passed on and and you know and, and how you were sort of mentioning to this like how we're how we're carrying what we were given and, and passing it forward really feels yeah it really feels like the right I guess the right way of of, of moving knowledge forward and and finding finding to that that spark of joy <laughs> that that desire is to to continue to work and, and find ways to connect. I think that's really interesting as well because if that is what is inspiring your desire to connect with somebody, then there's you know, that is first and foremost going to be how those relationships are remembered, experienced, felt by the person in that, you know, communication with you. Yeah, I think that is it's just we can say and and this is a lot of you know what's happening we can say that that is how we would like to be but then as dancers and in our profession it is how we can be because with our whole bodies you know like we can bring that into a room and we can cultivate that kind of environment to create work in and to talk about what we do and it's uh, sometimes hard to you know, it's it it's can slip the slippage there. I think quite often because we're so consumed, right? We're so in in it with our entire bodies in this in this thing. So I think it's wonderful to remind people that it's the a kind of initiation into conversation is also how that's going to cultivate the environment. Absolutely. I would love now to just talk about Matriarchs Uprising a little bit. You mentioned how you're mentoring people now, uh, just in terms of arriving in Vancouver and that whole connection you have with Talking Stick Festival, all of those things might come into this, but I know you've talked about it and people can find out that connection. But I'd love to talk about Matriarchs Uprising and this next iteration in February 2022. This podcast will be going out in January 2022. But just for the uh, listenership again, we are talking in December 2021. And so there'll be a little bit of space between this conversation and material and things that will have come out and, and the publications and communications that Olivia will be doing and her team will be doing with Matriarchs Uprising between our talk and the actual event. But I do feel like like this year, there seems to be some more emerging voices in there. And I wonder if that's 
that obviously is connected to your mentoring. And and could you talk a little bit about that and, and about your decisions for this Matriarch Uprising? Maybe even also where the idea for Matriarch Uprising came from and how you've how it's grown. Totally, totally. Well, uh, yeah, as as previously mentioned, Matriarch Uprising, uh, the inaugural festival, came out of the um, out of the generous residency that was provided through the Dance Center as an artist in residence in 2018-2019, with an intention of creating space for for fellow women who are creating contemporary Indigenous dance, and also recognizing that the work that had been done, the, you know, the foundations of the festival, had also come from my experience as part of Indigenous, Indigenous dance in Vancouver that's curated by Raven Spirit Dance. And where, so so where that first festival sort of took off and then kind of really grew to the, the 2020 festival where we were able to partner with Talking Stick in terms of, you know, bringing our audiences together and, and, and really sharing, sharing the that, that wonderful space of time in February when so many people are are looking to um, to attend our Indigenous cultural events through thanks to the Talking Stick Festival, I saw a progression not only from being somewhat more hyper local to then growing and including you know an international community of artists from Australia and New Zealand, and then as we moved into 2021 and sort of looking at okay, well, so what's going to be possible this year? Figuring out how important and how valuable our circle conversations were and that we could move you know we could still move mountains but that we could still move the um uh, the the focus and the direction of the festival from necessarily having to be an in-person live event to still gathering and and having these these really rich circle conversations in 2021 though we also took a chance at at putting a call out for uh, bring your own project opportunities and it was through that call that we received uh wonderful applications from across the country and it's sort of and then it's kind of aligned well like okay so we we want to have some sort of showcase event that feels a little bit more festival like and that's thread or that seam <laughs> of the tapestry ended up being what Harvest Moon Showcase was in, in September. So from May to September, these seven artists um, who, who had applied to the Bring Your Own Project were supported not only financially, but also through opportunities to mentor with, with me. And now, and, and now I just, I, I remind myself that I'm, I'm not all, all knowledgeable or, you know, there, there's, there's many things I still don't know, but I have some lived experience and I was able to communicate that and, and be the sounding board for, for these artists, uh, some of whom had significant experience creating work and others who, you know, I think of uh, the wonderful Samantha Sutherland who had, had not created her own work yet. And this was her first venture into devising her own choreography, her own, and, and really living in her own choreographic voice. So where we got to with the Harvest Moon Showcase as, a, as an example of not only a cross distance, but like a really multi, multidisciplinary, but a really rich diversity of, of ways of, of movement being being still the crux of these projects, but also having having funded the, the filming of them and, and recognizing like how working on the land, working in studio, working in theater, we're, we're working in one's living room, we're all going to be an intertwining of, of different visuals and also artistic visions. 
then we started to to put our minds, and I say we, my team, our minds towards what our 2022 festival would look like, and really recognizing how this theme of intergenerational knowledge exchange and sharing was, you know, it, it was already there. It already seemed to be at the surface. So what we're now in the, in the process of really clarifying is how the theme of the 2022 festival not only has these emerging artists who are sharing work alongside uh, more experienced or mid-career artists, but that there will also be a week-long residency with grandmothers from Vancouver's downtown east side sharing in an improvisational creation process that will be loosely um, directed and devised by all all members of that residency to share uh, towards the end of the festival. We had other ideas uh, around what what the festival might look like and had you know again hopes to include the international voices and and some more national voices at this point I'm very happy to say um, you know the program that we have managed to solidify is is still carrying that theme and that desire of how can we how can we bring bring forward and hold space for these emerging voices along with the experienced the the ones who are who are ready to take to take the stage and know that through all of that there's also I think I feel a requirement or a need for us to to remember to also go back to those who have walked these roads before us so that we can learn and hold hold that space but also exchange that exchange and share in in what we have and and what we know. I, well, I think it's it's beautiful. I mean, I'm just imagining kind of all of the things that will be happening in that festival, and and quite excited. But it's it's the it's the knowledge exchange, as you said, intuitional intergenerational knowledge exchange. But it's knowledge sharing, isn't it? It's it's about the sharing in the experience. So it's not necessarily in that moment about it's not necessarily about how you how you have been in this moment before but how your experiences are brought to a moment and how you share in that moment with other people i think that's uh, that become that's where knowledge is uh, becomes experiential knowledge becomes both present and of the past and also kind of almost speculative you know in terms of what you can achieve together and you're in that at the same at the same moment regardless of age or experience or any of those things that is a, that's the shared thing i think creating more of those is something that I think we crave as creators, but it's also something we can actually, it's palpable as creators, you know, when we, when we get there, I want to say when we hit that, but it's the wrong expression, but, but it's kind of almost like it hits us, right? That uh, washes over us. It does something. It would become subsumed in that sense. And I think you're offering opportunities for that and for new artists, if you like, as opposed to necessarily emerging, but for them to feel that part of art, you know, an art making. Yes. So, and that's where the voice, I think that's where the voice can come, which I think is really wonderful. I'd love to know, really interested in how you managed everything. Also a pregnancy and a birth through this crazy time. And I understand that this is, Daisy's your first child, so you can't compare it to another time. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, obviously you managed all of this and you're used to time management and balancing lots and lots and lots of things. But this is, I mean, it's remarkable. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I really believe it's been through the support of a loving husband and the care uh, from, you know, an outpouring of care from my community too, who have managed to really make 
None of this seem easy, but at least seem plausible or possible. You know, I, I look to Michelle, I look to Star, I look to Justine Chambers, I look to so many, you know, in the Vancouver dance community who are juggling the the roles of mother, worker, dancer, choreographer, and know that, albeit it has been somewhat scary and uh, certainly tumultuous at times to be in the pandemic through all of this too. There's been there's been support, there's been love, there's been care, there's been check-ins, you know, and and friendships and care packages that keep <laughs> keep yes. things feeling, you know, a, a little bit more grounded and and again connected, right? Just maintaining yeah. that. Yeah, it's wonderful, and I feel like there's a also a sense of timing for you where there's this kind of there's a making sense of all of these things coming together, like they're actually able to fuel each other inform each other and support each other all the different roles kind of support each other that's the feeling I get with Justine Chambers too and talking with her and and just how they all come in to kind of balance to create that work-life balance but also it seems that they are the words you, you use to describe you know how you are how it's a way of valuing and re-evaluating you know, your art making too, in a way, your reasons for doing it, right? Oh my your reasons gosh. For, yeah. Absolutely. And, and I mean, and, and too, like where inspiration comes and when it can be, you know, when it can be met, when the muse and the impulse to create can, can be honored. So this impulse to create and where there is, where there's space and time for that. And when, you know, the, the, the redirection of the, the requirements of being in my and my motherhood role have also shifted what creation means to me. I guess I'm really feeling to this, this looking inward to how a personal story that that is being uh, developed through over the next couple of years through the the work of Straight No Chaser has really come out of deep desire to to pull out pull out the mysteries, I guess, of of my own upbringing, and know that I can. Through, through an artistic practice, know that I can sort of calibrate that and also look at it as something of a legacy to my daughter in sharing what it what it's meant to, to start this work while pregnant with her and know that you know in 10, 20 years she might she might see an archive version of it and, and really start to, to be yeah aware of, of what I was what I was thinking about and how I was moving through the motions of these deeply rooted stories and narratives that have to be that I feel anyways have to be expressed and have some yeah potential for reaching other reaching out to other hearts who may have also experienced some of the similar themes that come up in the work too. In the blood memory trailer or a movement interview or movement story that's on your website, you talk about being adopted and how they're finding your, uh, and the process of finding your ancestral relations through, you know, blood relations, if you like. But also there's a new weight, isn't there, to that with your own daughter? Exactly. And, and how you're telling your story through that information and then now and all of this, like, I, I just think it, I, what, I, what I think is so wonderful about it is that there's a, you are learning about the things that you are able to teach exactly. at the same time that you are teaching them. I think that, and, and that, and that cycle, the ebbing and flowing of that has in it so many so many amazing personal layers, but then also I think it bridges communities and it bridges ways of learning, it bridges ways of understanding and ways in to conversations. And I think it, it puts that broad perspective on 
that sense of, of the importance of finding a voice through mm-hmm. looking back to, and looking forward, but knowing who you are with on the journey. I think that's, yes. you know, I think that's part of what I get from all of the things you've said, <laughs> as opposed to space you've held for people. But I, I do want to just mention two things. And one is the seven grandfather teachings that you mentioned in that, which I think is, for me, was a lovely way to connect to your discovery of an ancestral, while at the same time, I can learn about some of these broader things. And I wonder if there is that connected to a particular nation or is it a universal, like, could you talk a little bit about those teachings, like how you know of the absolutely broader ones and the more localized or hyper-local as you called it? Yeah, no, absolutely. So my I think my along my healing journey there were there were mentions and and they always sort of felt a little bit obscure or a little bit maybe maybe not even obscure but superficial to these these cultural teachings of the Anishinaabeg that were you know they were called the seven grandfather teachings they had these these great often are depicted in uh, different animal forms as well after after sort of kind of sifting through what I could find it was really a matter of finding the person the the other the human the other storyteller of Anishinaabeg heritage who could who could share with me her her deeper understanding and and how she's gone into ceremony and cultural teachings with other knowledge keepers to how these how these teachings actually form a value system from which uh, so many so many decisions can have been made and can continue to be made through these through this lens of the seven grandfather teachings and at the time i re- remember it was 2017 2018 when i'd started work I'd, I'd embarked on a work with uh with a maori dance artist as well louise potiki bryant and my intention was to find find some synergy find some threads of like yeah, i guess connection and drawing the lines um uh, across our maori the, the maori culture and that, uh, yes, so, so that how could we investigate the seven grandfather teachings and find a similar vein or thread through the Maori cultural teachings as well? Now, in that work, Gateways, I had, I had intentionally chosen Gloria May Ashkabok, who resides in Vancouver on uh, Squamish, Thibetooth, Musqueam territory, but is Odawa from, from Anishinaabeg uh, territory here in Ontario. It was through finding Gloria and, and having conversations around well well this is what I'm sort of seeing they are what do they mean to you and then how might I sort of realize those understandings through this artistic practice of, of developing a work entitled gateways and of course turned into a much bigger as these things often do a much bigger story and uh, and had much uh, greater weight to to it than simply researching you know what what I might find on the internet versus actually having a conversation with with a with a knowledge keeper in this case Gloria to um, to deepen my understanding and, and understand the relevance of these cultural teachings so just to draw that back to blood memory when we were when we were filming that that mini documentary and Gloria and I were out on the land beside the Squamish out on Squamish territory uh, beside the river um, and she's sharing the uh, she's she's sharing with me some of the uh, language of our Anishinaabemowin language and really giving through through the spirit of generosity really giving me this opportunity to hold and 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 feel responsible for 
what you know the the words she's sharing for me felt like this like a, a, a like a, a circle ending and beginning of how the teachings themselves brought us together and now through our through our relationship through fostering trust we were able to you know she's also now sharing language with me i'm bringing that in i'm now sharing that with my daughter and it's yeah it's it's a it's a beautiful circle to to where i kind of came from a place of unknowing and uncertainty and and letting that feed a curiosity to actually you know deepen my connection by finding somebody who has the lived experience that i did not have and recognize how as as a as a dance artist as a choreographer as a storyteller that for me, that's my process of extracting, extrapolating, you know, uh, diving deeper into the the meanings behind these words, and knowing that they can be transmitted uh, through my own body and and other bodies through the act of choreography mm-hmm. and dance. Yeah, and and that and bringing together this idea of finding tr- finding truth, but as an artist, that is there's a kind of I want to say there's a fluidity to that truth because it's not about fixing it as fact. It, it's an activation really of that and of, of that thing and I I think it's going to be quite beautiful that you and your daughter will learn so much together <laughs> you know like in, in in all of these ways I think it's great so from that conversation just now I realize you're in Ontario and as we're having this conversation you're there are you are you doing a lot of work like mum first and then a lot of work on online still like is there a lot of are there a lot of zoom meetings <laughs> a lot of send caster meetings a lot of things like this still in your life or is that yeah, it? <laughs> it it is um and it's it's been really uh it's been really lovely to still to still feel you know connected and even in, in some ways even more connected through through what this last year has has required of all of us the opportunity to work still as a choreographer in in virtual studio spaces um, has has been so wonderful and and enriching and has also brought me to a new level of understanding of what's possible and how you know sometimes that regardless of the distance we can we can still communicate and and find find ways of collaboration that are like it's it's really it's it's kind of mind blowing to know that just a couple of weeks ago I was in a VR I was in a virtual reality space yeah. with dancer Maxine Chadburn through through a process that also included uh, collaborators in the UK and that were you know, and that we're working towards these eventually in-person, you know, immersive experiences, but that the act of working in relationship to all of those pieces yeah. from the comfort of my home has been yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's just amazing. how, and it was in the, the DIV conversations, you know, Star mentioned, you know, how great it was, how easy it was to be international through the Zoom, through those, to have these conversations that were, have, have been available to us, but the, the, because of our work being so kind of about embodiment and degrees of embodiment, there's, it feels very different to have those conversations. And now, of course, we've had to find ways to articulate what it is to be in these bodies, in these virtual environments. And so, yeah, I, I agree. I think that, that it's quite, those are the parts that are optimistic and positive about all of the connections we've been able to make. And I think we're seeing that in the work, in the live work too. So that just brings me back to Matriarch's Uprising just for a little bit. How do you envision the actual programming? Will there be quite a bit, do you think, online or like screen presentations? I suppose you have to have, you know, kind of planned for that. 
And yes. Yeah. So we are, you know, our goal and our dream was to, to host um, a number of artists from uh, not only across the, the Great Waters, but across the country. And with, you know, with the comfort levels uh, shifting, we're, we're also being nimble enough to shift our programming. So we are intending on having to, the two live evening performances on the 18th and 19th. That'll feature Maura Garcia, who's a, a dear friend and one of the 2019 uh, performing artists uh, who will be coming up from the United States to share a work on, essentially, it's it was a work of developing a relationship with ancestors of hers, um, which I'm very excited to see. And this will be the first live showing of the work. It's something she's been developing through the pandemic, along with Jeanette Kotowicz's work, Quay, which had a digital offering at Dance in Vancouver. However, this will be the live performance, which we're so excited to be able to support and know that it's also a a step forward for the festival from having programmed solo pieces for the last four years uh, to, I I, I say in some ways, finally having, uh, you know, enough resources to to share an ensemble work. Now, that said, the crooks of the festival being a festival that has uh, an integral part of sharing through community classes, uh, workshops and conversations, uh, those have shifted to both being to a hybrid of in-person and virtual. So for instance, Christine Friday of Friday Creations has generously offered to share an online workshop about creating dance for film, which has been a a big shift in in her practice over the last year, along with sharing a a beautiful, a beautiful film uh, danced work that, um, that she's created over this last year. So I'm, I'm sort of fluid or that there's a compromise to be made, I think, really, in, in recognizing where, where people's comfort levels are, but also that those those moments when we can gather, whether it's virtually for a conversation or a workshop or through the, the on-demand filmed works, which will be available throughout the week, that those will, you know, ideally complement, but also spark new, spark new connections and offer new entries, entry points to what contemporary Indigenous dance by women is and how we might you know how we might also remember that the and then that this theme of intergenerational sharing is you know I feel that okay so if if this festival is going to be hybrid then how many other emerging voices might be able to access it through it through it having an online presence that if if we were just in person um, might not might not be so accessible. Yeah, I think that's uh, beautiful because uh, uh, you know, as you're talking, I'm like, we're coming, we're not really coming out of the pandemic as such, but we are all shifting our thinking towards what what it would mean to be post pandemic. And I think these kinds of just what you said there about it, it's access. You know, who has access to it? Who realizes what the opportunities are, and whose voices are being made visible at this time and in this transition to allow for the future voices to be visible, which I think is what you're offering with Matriarch's Uprising. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I think that's wonderful. So 18th and 19th of February, 2022, are the dates that we're talking about for Matriarch's Uprising. With a with a series of uh, workshops, classes and conversations that actually start as of the 14th. So from the 14th Wait. to the 19th, you can expect activations from our Matriarch's Uprising artists throughout that entire week. Wonderful. And I just want to also say that this is a the perfect, you know, opportunity or 
example of different forms of presentation and how we've become that as part of programming. It's through DIV and through this, there's all of these conversations and bringing it to different modes of presentation for dance, I think is really, really wonderful. So I think we'll see that in Matriarch's Uprising and all the work you're doing. Will we see your work in Matriarch's Uprising or are you purposefully not doing that? <laughs> Just as I close. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, so my involvement with the the grandmothers with the downtown Eastside grandmothers residency will be shared on the Saturday. We're intending to have a small uh, a small group of invited guests to join us in studio as a part of that sharing. I will actually be working on Straight No Chaser the following week um, in residency at the dance center, where again at the end of that week, uh, a small group of invited guests and potentially a live stream of that sharing will be will be made available. So please watch out for more information about that through the oliviacdavies.ca site. Or if you're not already reading our newsletter, you can access that link through our website as well. And you can also find Olivia through the Dance Centre, of course, and we will make sure all this information is um, delivered in the usual um, social media ways through the Dance Centre as well. But Olivia, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. It was a real pleasure. And I look forward to all of your work. Thank you for being such a vibrant part of the community and um, yeah, being part of our future, all the offerings that we have for the future. Thank you so much and love to your family. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. Thank you again. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, as this will help other listeners find us and help us to grow our dance audience. We'll be back next month. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook at The Dance Centre, Twitter at Dance Centre, and Instagram at The Dance Centre BC. And if you'd like to support our work, please consider making a donation. Just go to our website at thedancecentre.ca, where you'll find extensive information about our upcoming programmes and events. The music for The Dance Centre podcast was composed by James B. Maxwell. Always a pleasure to connect with you through dance. Until next time. Thank you.